Good morning, church. Uh, as the kids go out, um, we're going to tell you about the three-ish things that we think you need to know this week. If you don't know who I am, my name's Alana. I am one of the pastors here at New Life, and with me today is Gordon. What do you do here, Gordon? Uh, I clean. <laughs> you clean. And look after the ground and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm facilities manager. There you go. So Gordon's going to give me hands this morning. So we have three things we want to tell you. Number one is we have a new... Um, Ministry starting up, they're calling it the Abundant Joy Club. I think they are abundantly joyful because they are free on Wednesday afternoons, unlike some of us. Um, no, this is for if you're about 55 or older, I don't think they're too hung up on the age, but it is happening once a month on Wednesday afternoons here at the church uh, from 1.30 to 3 o'clock. There's going to be some refreshments. There's going to be speakers that will change from month to month. Um, so they are starting Wednesday, October 19th. Again, that's here at the church in the chapel, 1.30 to 3 p.m. If you want to find out information about that, you can go to our events page, newlifechurch.ca slash events. Number two, Gordon. Uh, when Marita spoke to me about that, she said it was for old people. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm, I fit that category as well now. And so the reason I'm here this morning is it's for Adopt a Project. We have many things round about the grounds that need done. There's lots of work needing done, especially in the fall, lots of cleanup. The buildings need painted. There's just loads of things. Small groups are welcome. Individuals are welcome. House churches are welcome. Um, I will make sure you have a job to do. There, um, it should be 33-ish things this morning if we went through the list. There's a big, big list of things that we need done. So um, please sign up um, where you always sign up. That's right. And so Gordon is our facilities manager, but he is not paid to do all the work. We still, as a church family, need to join together and do these things. Um, and so on our events page, we have a sign-up sheet. If you want to see what some of those jobs are, there's big ones, there's small ones. Again, gather a group of friends or some families and come and do them. But you can actually sign up for which job you'd like to do. And Gordon will reach out, make sure um, you have the supplies you need and all those good things. So again, that's newlifechurch.ca slash events. Anything else we need to say about that one? No. No. Okay. The third thing this morning that we have is our book clubs. Uh, last week we had two books on the picture. This week we have three. We have three book clubs starting. If you've seen the table of books in the foyer, we had them out last week. This week we'll have them out again next week. And these are books that um, Pastor Scott has resourced us. Uh, Phil and Alicia made some recommendations as well as we go through this invitation to a journey and um, dig deeper into our own spiritual health and discipleship. Uh, we have some book club startings. They're going to run for about nine weeks, so they should wrap up before Christmas. Uh, there's registrations out on the table there. So Scott is leading the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, Phil is leading the gift of being yourself, and I'm actually taking on Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. So uh, they are all happening on Zoom. You get to do this in the comfort of your own home. There's a Tuesday, a Wednesday, or a Thursday to choose from, so please, we, we invite you to register for those book clubs and journey together um, in your faith and your relationship with the Lord. Those are three-ish things. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you. Okay. And I'm going to invite Michelle up now for our community story we have been uh, over the last few months introducing staff to you again we know there's a lot of new faces in the church and uh here i'm going to give you this one michelle and you don't always know who all the staff is and what everybody does and so we've just been taking some time to introduce them so this morning we're talking to michelle michelle what do you 
what is your title and what is your role here on staff? I am the director of Kids Zone on the Road, which is our um, off-campus children's ministry on Sunday afternoons on the Boys Road Reserve here in town. And what would kind of summarize your job description for people that don't know? What does that mean? Um, I am responsible for uh, purchasing and, and adapting curriculum down there so that we can do a Bible story with them and uh, memory verse and, and that kind of thing. Um, I get that teaching material out to my volunteers so that we're always rotating and, and the kids get the benefit of um, different teachers up there. I go and I do home visits with some of our core families and that's become a really special time of going and having coffee with them and hearing their stories and um, getting to pray with them. That happens pretty much every single time in every house that I go to. So, and then um, kind of discipling my team, going through books about First Nation ministry and, and whatnot. So yeah, lots of little moving bits and pieces. That's good. And you're actually one of our longest standing staff members now. How long have you been on staff? Uh, nine and a half years. Nine and a half. Excellent. Well, that sounds pretty basic on paper. The reality is it's not quite so cut and dry and simple. How do you see, I guess this is a mixed question, but how do you see God working? How has he used your story, your history to help minister to the kids on Boys Road? Yeah, um, so when I was a kid, actually living about five houses up the road from this church, this church wasn't here then, that's, that's a long time ago, um, I was living in actually a violently abusive home, and I had some people in this neighborhood that used to come and pick me up and take me to Sunday school at Bray Road Gospel Chapel, and actually I have, there's the son of the, the people that picked me up goes to this church. Uh, Henry and Elka Gross were some of my Sunday school teachers. Leilianne's mom uh, and Leilianne were involved in children's ministry. And although they didn't know what I was going through at home, they loved on me in a way that I didn't experience outside of my home. And they really are the ones who introduced me to Jesus and are responsible for me even being where I am right now. I truly believe that God used them to save my life. So how does that translate out to Kid Zone on the Road? I'm going and I'm seeing kids and I'm going into homes that are just as violently abusive or um, alcoholic homes that I lived in. And so I'm able to look at these kids and, and tell them there's hope in Jesus. I have one little girl who um, prior to COVID wouldn't open up to us about her home. But when we came back after 18 months, she's grown up a little bit and things are really messy in her home. And so last September, we were, able, we were able to say to her, you know, Zoe, when things are really scary in your home, find a, find a place where it's just you and just say to Jesus, Jesus, take, this, take the fear away from me. Would you protect me? Would you watch over me? Would you help me not be scared? And when she came to kids camp this summer, she, when they were doing cards, her leader asked her, what, what would you like me to write on the card? And Zoe said, I want you to write, I love God because he protects me when my mom and dad are fighting. Well, we felt like we can't really write that on there because you're going to take this card home. <laughs> so what ended up getting written was, I love God because he protects me when I'm scared. And we've seen her week after week come, and she's so engaged in the teaching time, and she's 
working on the memory verses and, and she wants to help. And when we ask questions now, hers, her hand is the first hand that goes up. And I look at her and I see myself. And I think of my volunteers and everything that they're pouring into Zoe and the other kids that come. And if my story can be used to help even one of those kids come to faith in Jesus, then everything I went through as a kid wasn't for nothing. It was almost worth it because God used my story to help them. That's amazing. It's really a lifetime uh, commitment down there. It's a long-term journey of relationship uh, building, and I know we as a church have certainly uh, been seeing the fruits of that. So thank you for engaging down there. Last question is how can we as a church support you in this ministry? Um, first thing, always with prayer. Um, we, we see some really heavy things down there and we have some really heavy conversations with kids that are this big. And then we see the hardness that in kids that are 11 years old because life has just kind of taken a chunk out of them already. And the other way, uh, we have this group of youth that have been coming out for the last two months. There's about seven, six or seven of them. And they want to be there with us. They come every week, but they don't want to be there during the teaching time. They walk away because we're not little kids. Um, and so what we really need and what we're trying to get started is to have some young adults or some older youth who would be willing to just sit over to the side with them and just engage them in conversation and begin to get to know them and, and over time of building up some trust, be able to then share God's truth in their lives, following the same thing that we're following with the little kids, but in a way that's more relevant to them and the age that they are, because we want them to keep coming. Yeah, they're disruptive, but they come every week. And I mean, that's an amazing thing. This, this program is, has always been for little kids, but there's this group of 12 to 15 year olds that want to come and hang out with us and they're high energy and they need some people that are really high energy so we have a real big need in that area okay so if that sounds like something you can do because I mean, god is clearly bringing those kids for a reason um and we just need to meet them there if that's something you feel like you can engage with please please talk to michelle after the service and she'll let you know how you can get plugged in i have five rapid fire questions for you for the church to get to know you better all right Tea or coffee? Coffee. Favorite season? Fall. Ooh, nice. Uh, beaches or mountains? Both. Right. <laughs> I'll give you that one. <laughs> one place, if you could go on vacation tomorrow, all expenses paid, where would it be? Scotland. Ooh, nice. Gordon can tell you where to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last one, butterflies or ladybugs? Butterflies. <laughs> All right, good. Hey, thanks, Michelle. Thank you for all you do. Before you, you go, let me pray for you and for Kids Zone on the Road and, um, and for the message this morning, too. To God, we thank you uh, for Michelle's dedication as she has um, poured into the families that she's gotten to know down on Boys Road. We thank you for the team that she has with her that is also pouring down and investing time and relationship into those families. Um, God, we thank you. We praise you for the, the seeds that have been planted, for the fruit that we're seeing. We thank you for the relationships that we have down there and how um, we are able 
you know, outside of Sunday afternoons and kids are on the road, we're, we're able to engage with these families and they know that New Life is a place they can call out to for help. So God, we thank you for the things you're doing. Um, we pray that you would be stirring in the hearts here this morning that that um, people would, somebody would want to uh, step into engaging with these teenage youths and uh, that we can continue relationship and, and, and help people get to know you in that way as well. Um, and so now, Father, as we move forward and into your message, I just pray for Scott and for Alicia as they bring your word to us this morning. Father, would it be your words and not theirs? And would we have ears to hear? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we, um, we continue on with our invitation to a journey. And... Uh, as a, uh, as a church family, it is my heart's desire that um, we will hunger and thirst after what God hungers and thirsts for. That we as a church family would find ourselves um, in a place of surrendering, allowing God to be in control of every aspect of our life. And so it's an invitation to a journey. And this morning, what I want to do is that we're, we're moving on from where I have been preaching for the last four Sundays, which is come follow me, to starting to talk a little bit more of what does that look like. And so today it's, it's being with Jesus and it's part one. And I'm actually not going to take the majority of the message. I've, uh, I've asked Alicia if she would uh, help me on this. And this is something when I kind of put it out there, hey, if you were going to help me with this, um, what would it be? She goes, ah, this is one of my favorite topics. So um, I want to just go back a little bit and then we'll go forward. So a month ago in this new teaching series of Invitation to a Journey, it comes out of when Jesus says in Matthew 4.19, he's looking at disciples and he's saying, come, follow me. And we can look at that as something in which what Jesus did to the disciples or said to the disciples way back here, or we can look at it that it was not just during that time with Jesus, but it's also today. Today, he is saying to you, he's saying to me, come follow me. And that is an invitation to a journey. He wants you to follow him somewhere. And it's for him, it's not a mystery. It may be for us, but for him, it's not a mystery. He knows where he wants to lead us. And so... With this journey, it may be something that we go, yeah, I, I, I kind of want to do that journey. But I'll tell you that the journey is not one in which we see Jesus on the other side of the room. We go, hi, hey there, Jesus. Yeah. You know, or we're dropping the name saying, yeah, I know Jesus. <laughs> we're not name dropping here. Following Jesus is more than that. Following him is a radical life of dying to yourself and picking up your cross daily. One of the books that uh, I'm recommending that we read is Invitation to the Journey, where I stole the title for this series. And Mulholland says this, he says, spiritual formation is not, is not something we do to ourselves, but something we allow God to do to, in us and for us as we yield ourselves to the work of God's transforming grace. It's a radical transformation. It's a radical life. It's, it's really counter to the culture that we live in because 
because it is not being in control of my life. It's actually inviting God to be in control of my life. Not being in control. And, and I think sometimes where we look at it is that I come here on Sunday and yeah, I'm here on Sunday. God, do whatever you want. But when you walk out of the doors, what does it look like? When you sit in the classroom at school, what does it look like? When you go to work, what does it look like? When you are, you have a group of employees, what does it look like? Because that's what he's talking about here. And so we've said that we've taken Mulholland's uh, definition of spiritual formation as really the, the, the theos of what we're saying here, which is spiritual formation or transformation is a process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. So it's a process. None of us has arrived but we're all hopefully moving in the continuum of this process of going from glory to glory, of changing, of being transformed into the likeness of Christ. It's what he does in us, but it, our part is, is that we are yielding to him. I love to call it the great exchange because it is a great exchange. I give him my worry. I've placed down that worry. I'm not gonna control that worry. I'm not gonna try to figure that worry. I, I give him my worry and he will give me what I need in that situation that I'm worrying about. It's a great exchange. I lay down, I lay down myself before him. My anger, my language, I lay it all down, and it's a great exchange. So ultimately, I am giving up control of my life. And I'm able to say, God, I do not want you to fit into my life, but I want to fit into your life. And I've had to pause on that because I believe that I have Try to invite God to be part of my life in what I'm doing. And I struggle to lay it down and to say, God, what, what do you want? What are you doing? And so it's a daily process that we go through. And so what does it look like to be with Jesus in that daily walk? So that's why I want to look at for this Sunday and next Sunday, what it looks like being with Jesus. So I'm going to invite Alicia to come up, and she is going to uh, move us through some scripture this morning that will take us to that very thing of what does it look like to be with Jesus. Thank you, Scott. Good morning, church. Um, as he said, he introduced me already. I'm Alicia, and I'm the director of youth ministries here at New Life. Um, and yes, when he asked me if I could come up here, um, of course, you're like, oh, I'm coming up here. That's one thing. But the next was, you know what? This is something I'm passionate about, and it has transformed my life. So coming up here to talk about this is easy because I... I want you guys to experience what I'm experiencing. Um, so, yeah, I am going to try to do the clicker as well as this, and we'll just roll with it, maybe. We'll see. Everyone goes up here, and 
it's not working? There we go. Will it work for me? No, it's not working for me. You got it. Perfect. I don't need to figure this out. All right, I just want to start with first, um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump in. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can gather together in this way. God, what a gift it is. Thank you for that gift. Lord, I pray that we just open our hearts to be sensitive to the Spirit moving within us. Reveal to us the truths that uh, can speak to our hearts. Be with us in your name. Amen. So September's known as uh, a busy month, I feel like. Uh, summer comes, and I'm so excited for the routine that September's going to offer. But then I forget, or <laughs> I just put it aside, uh, the hustle that comes with September. It is a constant go, starting with, for me, youth picks back up. Um, kids are going back into school, which means extra, extra, extra activities, as well as just we went from summer where we stayed up late and we slept in to now we need to get up again. Um, so I find when September comes, I'm actually October comes, I'm exhausted. So my question is, how many of you guys are exhausted? Uh, because you tell yourself that this is unavoidable. This hustle is unavoidable, and this is what we just have to do to get to the end. So maybe it's summer again, or maybe it's, well, this is what I have to do until I get to retirement, which how many of you retirees have slowed your life down? I feel like some of you have ramped it up in other ways, right? Your house is constantly flowing with people, maybe. Um, but we find that we get into that hustle, and we call it unavoidable. Last week, Scott talked about silencing, silencing ourselves. He said that when we silence ourselves, we get to hear God's voice and set down the things of this world. This is one of my favorite practices. Uh, I could continue talking about this because this has also been transformational to my own life. And it has enriched me in ways uh, that I can't even describe. And so when we silence ourselves, we are practicing being with Jesus, abiding in him. And that is the start of avoiding that hustle. Henry Nouwen puts it this way. So that's that one slide. You guys got this. Oh, last week. There you go. We'll get there. Last week, uh, Henry Nouwen puts it this way. Jesus invites us to abide in his love. That means to dwell with all that I am in him. It is an invitation to total belonging, to full intimacy, to unlimited being with. That's what we're talking about, guys, this invitation to come follow and what that looks like to be with him, unlimited. By being with Jesus, we can begin to let, letting go, setting down, putting aside all that occupies our space physically, mentally, and emotionally. I'm going to read 
from Luke. If you guys brought your Bible, please open with me to Luke 10. We're going to look at verse 38. I'm reading from NLT. I love hearing the flipping of pages. It's my favorite. I'm reading from NLT, so follow along. If not, it is up on the screen. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come to me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. We're going to take a look at the three key people in this section. So our first person, Martha. Martha so desperately wanted to be with Jesus, and she did so with the gift of hospitality. As we can see right at the beginning, it says Martha welcomed him into her home. She had this desire to be with him. Martha is also a straight shooter. I kind of like this in a woman, uh, or people in general, where she says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. She doesn't have time to beat around the bush. She's like, come on, get her here. But what Martha did here in her desire to be with Jesus, she put her doing for Jesus over her being. She prioritized doing for him instead of sitting with him. When I was younger, I knew people had come over for dinner. Uh, people were invited for dinner for, there's two reasons, two things. The first was uh, juice. As kids, if we saw the frozen Minute Maid uh, mixed berry juice concentrate in the freezer, people were coming over and we were going to have half a glass of juice at dinner. We were excited. Uh, the second was cleaning. My mom would frantically clean and give us like obscure extra chores. Like who needs to dust the laundry room? Nobody's going in there, but we had to do it. So when I hear this story, I picture that, and I see my mom. But really in turn, because we all take on pieces of our parents, I see myself. And I see how I can quickly fill my life with these details. These things that I think matter, but in reality, they don't. And they become my focus. Similar to Martha. And when I read this, I also see her heart to serve. I feel her angst of that unfairness, that injustice. I remember as a kid, if my sister was doing an easy chore, like putting away dishes, that's so easy. Washing them's harder. I'd feel that, like, unjustness. But her rightness was just her perspective. It was her view when we look at our third key person here, Jesus, we see his response, and it not only reveals the truth about him to her, like that relationship, 
but it also reveals his heart for us. He says, my dear Martha, or other versions say, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. He's not condescending. He's not trying to put down what she's doing. He's just trying to show her gently that there's a different way. He's gently pointing out the different perspective. This is Jesus' nature to point us back to the only thing that matters. That's him. And it is up to us to respond. Our last person, Mary. Mary desires to be with Jesus, just like her sister. But her response to be with somebody is to actually sit at their feet. She shows her love and respect by sitting. And and her sitting at Jesus' feet is not only the position physically of where she is, or according to Martha, isn't, in the room, it's the position of her heart. Sitting at someone's feet as an expression, um, actually in ancient times, of this intimate relationship between a disciple and a rabbi. That disciple will spend all their time with the rabbi. They will eat, they'll sleep, they'll breathe the air to the point that they'll even be dressing the same that you could tell, you could look in the crowd and be like, oh, you're the disciple of this rabbi. I I can see that. They start imitating the rabbi, the way that they walk, the way that they talk. Paul talks about this, about imitation. In 1 Corinthians, he says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. I think of my nephew. When he was starting to walk, uh, he'd walk around, like, hunched over, and his back like this. And we're like, where is he getting this old man walk? I'm sorry, old man. Uh, and he'd walk like this. And, and we couldn't figure it out. Every time, he'd just be like, oh, yeah, I'm walking like this. Until one day, my sister, we saw, was walking with her hands in her back pocket like this. And so he was imitating my sister in the way that he was walking. Or let's look at tradesmen. Josh, you're an apprentice. You have spent years studying, not only at school, but following somebody around so that you can learn from them. You've reorganized your life to, the, to carefully learn and study these skills. You're imitating someone who's gone ahead of you. You get this. Anyone else who's been an apprentice, you get this. William O. Paul Sell writes this in his book, Rules for Prayer. It is unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God in a casual or haphazard manner. There will be a need for some intentional commitment and some reorganization in our own lives. But there is nothing that will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in the routine of daily living. Meaning when we reorganize our life to be a disciple of Jesus intentionally, positioning hearts to be at the feet of Jesus in all things, in the routine 
I love that line, the routine of daily living. It doesn't mean that I'm going to quit my job or pull my kids out of activities. It doesn't mean that I'm going to like completely go to the hills and be a desert mother. What it means is I'm going to, in my routine life, be with Jesus. So when I'm driving to work and I get stuck on the highway by trunk there, y'all know where that part gets backed up out front of Superstore? It's painfully slow. Instead of getting angry, I'm going to be with Jesus in that moment. Or when I'm dropping my kid off at a friend's birthday party, I'm going to interact with the parents, but being with Jesus while doing that. Or when I'm sitting at home in the quiet, I'm going to be with Jesus. It's about being before doing. Um, A few weeks ago, we were supposed to go to the Family Effects uh, retreat out at Imadine. And unfortunately, I had succumbed to the hustle of September, and I was spent. I get home after picking the kids up after school on Friday, and I said, no more. Steve, I can't do it. We can't go. But the kids were desperately wanting to go, so we compromised and we said, all right, we'll go the next day. So we showed up the next day and I was a shell of a person. When I am spent like that, there's a few things I do. One, um, I try to be, I get braggy. I try to puff myself up so I can feel better because I'm running on empty. The other thing is, I can get gossipy. And I started to do both those things. And I did not feel good. And then as the day went on, we were still trying to be with people. And it wasn't, I wasn't being the best that Christ has made me to be. And we decided to go play games with some people in the evening. And as I was waiting, I was sitting at the table, um, out on the patio at Imadine, under the stars. It was beautiful. And I pulled out my phone to mindlessly scroll, which I'm sure a lot of you can be like, yep, I've done that. And as I opened my phone, there was an app that caught my attention that I downloaded a few weeks ago, or a month, I guess now, uh, called the Lecto Divinia Journal. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to click on that. And as I opened it, the first thing it had me do, the first prompt was to quiet myself, that silence piece Scott was talking about. So I silence myself, and it says, open yourself to being aware of God's presence and to receive his love. And so I sat. I sat for a minute, and then it moved me into the exam and practice to allow me to assess what was going on in my week. And as I did that, I was like, oh my goodness, I forgot that was happening. I forgot I was carrying the weight of that. Wait, that happened on Monday? And in that process, I was being with Jesus. I was letting go, setting down, putting aside all that occupied my space physically, mentally, and emotionally. I reorganized my life in that moment. And guys, I felt enriched. See, Jesus welcomes us. He invites us 
to come and follow him, to be disciples. All of us fully known. He knows the busyness in our life. He knows what occupies our heads and our hearts. He knows what we're carrying. But he wants us to be with him in all things. I want that quote to come back up from Henry Nouwen. Read that one more time. Jesus invites us to abide in his love. That means to dwell with all that I am in him. It is an invitation to fully belonging, to full intimacy, to unlimited being with. I wonder what would look different if Martha welcomed Jesus in, she had hosted, which was her gift, but instead of worrying about the details, she stopped and she sat at his feet. I wonder what that would look like for you, for me. To be with Jesus in our day-to-day activities. I want us to end with this last slide here. Last quote. There's one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. Jesus, Luke 10, 42. Have you discovered it? Because I'm just stepping into this, and I have, and I do not want to let it go. So how about you? I'm going to pray, and Scott will come back up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can be together in this way. Um, I pray that something just sung to our hearts may it go deep within us. In your name, amen. Thank you very much. I, um, I really appreciate that. I love that story. And um, as we were talking earlier, Martha can get a bad rap, um, but it really isn't. It's just where we're placing things. So that whole thing, Martha put doing over being with Jesus. I love that. And it's not about the physical position so much as it is about the heart's position. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to interact with this? And, and what I've tried to do each week is to invite us to interact with that. And, and, I, and I want to invite us to interact with that, not just simply as an island unto ourselves. You and I need community. We need community to interact with these things. And so um, what I want to do is uh, I, I have a worksheet. Isn't that great? Worksheet. Um, so I got a worksheet in the back. You can get it online. It looks like this. Uh, it's on the table there. And I know you can't see it, right? Nobody can see that. Isn't that great? Um, but let's just uh, flip to the next slide. So this is uh, the practice of evaluation. And what it is, is that in your life, there's, there's these categories. Your relationship with God, abiding with him. Uh, singleness or married. Friendship Friendships, uh, what you do in your friendships, parenting, or you as a child, these relationships, what do they look like? Your body, play, play. What do you, when you play, do you ever think about when you're playing your, your, that, that God is in your play? He is, he should be. Um, in, uh, in your money, in your technology. And so this is going to be a two-part thing. One is, is this week, it's this. 
It's asking the question in each of those areas, how does this area of my life look like Jesus or not like him? How does these areas of my life look like Jesus or not look like him? This is about an honest, an honest evaluation. And I would really invite you to, to do this and then, and then do it in community. Talk about it in community. Be honest in community. Uh, what it looks like. Because this is where we begin to be transformed. So example, real quick. This one about my relationship with God or abiding in him. And so the question, the, the, my answer may be, I feel disconnected from God. God feels distant. Or I feel connected with God and close to him. Next week, we'll put another, another column down, which will talk a little bit about well, why. What are you doing that reflects your answer? Okay? So what, I, what I'm really trying to do is that I don't want you to sit here in a message and go, yeah, that's good. I like that. I want us to engage in what we're doing here because that's where we begin to be transformed. Okay? So that's how I want to end today uh, with this. Grab, we've got lots of sheets. If we run out, you can, uh, you can grab it online. I've got a QR code there, or I can make more copies. But I would really encourage you to, to grab one of these worksheets and engage in it. Let me pray. We're going to call the, uh, the band back up just to end with a song, and then we'll close and, and uh, we'll be done this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are with us. And we say that, Lord, um, but it's so true. You are with us. Father, forgive us where we're not asking you to be engaged, Lord, to surrender ourselves to a place where we're saying, Lord, what are you doing in the midst of what I'm doing? Whether it is in the area of my relationships, God, in my play, in my technology, in my money, Lord, because you asked us to follow you in all of those areas of our lives. Not just as we're here Sunday morning. So, Father, help us to be honest and to do a, a, an inventory of what our relationship looks like with you. Not just Sunday morning, God, but every aspect of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.